Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. Uh, there are a couple of uh, anniversaries of note. Uh, in 1611, on May 2nd, uh, this is probably the date uh, upon which English printer Robert Barker produced the very first edition of the King James Version of the Bible. I say probably... Uh, because it is the date you most often find cited for the KJV's publication, but as far as I know, there's no actual docu documentary evidence to back that up. Uh, regardless, the King James Version of the Bible proved to be a monumental achievement that not only stands as probably the most significant vernacular translation of the Bible, uh, in other words, I'm excluding the Latin Vulgate, uh, but also a fundamental text in the development of the modern English language, so uh, I figured it was probably worth mentioning. Uh, also, May 2nd, 2011, uh, you may already know where this is going, not long after midnight local time, according to the official narrative, a team of U.S. Uh, special Forces operators raided a house in the Pakistani city of Abbottabad in the process, uh, killing Al-Qaeda boss Osama bin Laden. Uh, there have been more than a few alternative theories offered about bin Laden's death, uh, partly to try to explain how America's most wanted man was able to spend years living in the Pakistani equivalent uh, of West Point. Uh, it really, it does beggar belief uh, without our good pals in Islamabad ever finding out and or letting us know uh, but the official story still has relevance, uh, since it is the version of the story that most people believe. Uh, anyway, uh, suffice to say, we all lived happily ever after, so uh, whatever happened, it all worked out great. On to the news. In the Middle East, in Syria, a senior Turkish official has passed some details to Reuters surrounding the still unconfirmed death of Islamic State leader Abul Hussein al-Husseini al-Qureshi in a Turkish intelligence operation in Syria over the weekend. The main detail seems to be that the erstwhile caliph blew himself up with a suicide vest, which is not terribly surprising in that I believe each of his predecessors has allegedly gone out the same way. Uh, assuming Qureshi is dead, uh, Islamic State will presumably appoint a new caliph at some point, though the group may be running out at this point of potential heirs. They don't exactly have that much manpower to draw from anymore. Uh, in Turkey, the U.S. and Turkish governments collaborated on Tuesday to sanction alleged financial facilitators working for two Syrian jihadist groups linked to al-Qaeda, uh, the uh, ubiquitous Hayat Tahrir al-Sham and Katibata Tawhid wal-Jihad. Uh, the latter operates under HTS's umbrella in northwestern Syria's Idlib province, but is composed primarily of Uzbek nationals, and it has in the past carried out attacks in Russia and in Central Asia. Uh, the U.S. Treasury Department blacklisted both men and the Turkish government froze their Turkey-based assets. Uh, I don't know how significant those were. Uh, in Israel-Palestine, a Palestinian man with alleged ties to Islamic Jihad, Qadr Adnan, died in Israeli custody on Tuesday after an 87-day hunger strike. The announcement of his death prompted a round of rocket fire out of Gaza, which drew an Israeli military response that in turn provoked a second, larger round of rocket fire, as well as a small barrage uh, of mortar fire. Uh, 
Uh, the Israeli military retaliated for that second uh, round of uh, fire out of Gaza with airstrikes late Tuesday night, but the two sides then agreed to a ceasefire that went into effect early Wednesday morning. Adnan's death, uh, which Palestinian Authority Prime Minister Mohammed Shtaya characterized as a deliberate assassination, also sparked a general strike in the West Bank and protests across the occupied territories. Also on Tuesday, a group affiliated with Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade shot at a group of Israeli settlers near the West Bank city of Tulkarm, wounding at least one of them. Uh, this incident may have been directly connected with Adnan's death, but it is not clear. In Iran, two people were killed on Tuesday in an explosion at an Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps facility near the Iranian city of Damghan. There is some reason to think this blast was accidental, involving ammunition stored at the facility, but Iranian authorities are investigating, and you can never rule anything out when it comes to the IRGC. The International Atomic Energy Agency, meanwhile, says it is starting to reinstall monitoring cameras at key Iranian nuclear sites. Iranian authorities removed those devices last year and had previously stopped sharing their data with the IAEA, in both cases having done so, in response to the U.S. decision to scrap the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. The IAEA and Iranian officials negotiated a partial resolution to their dispute earlier this year, but the two parties have expressed uh, somewhat different interpretations of what that resolution entails, and so it is unclear, for example, whether the IAEA will actually have access to these reinstalled cameras or to the information that they collect. In Asia, in Kyrgyzstan, uh, Human Rights Watch published a new report on Tuesday accusing security forces in Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan of intentionally targeting civilians during their multi-day border clash back in mid-September. The accusations include evidence that Tajik forces assisted a mob of irregular fighters that attempted to essentially ethnically cleanse Kyrgyz civilians from a disputed border region, and that Kyrgyz forces targeted a public square in a Tajik village while civilians were present. The two countries have never fully demarcated their border, which was poorly defined and complicated by the creation of several enclaves during the Soviet period, and this has led to periodic violence, each instance of which makes it harder to negotiate some sort of border accord. In Afghanistan, the United Nations Let's Talk About Afghanistan Without Any Afghans conference wrapped up in Doha on Tuesday with no apparent consensus on anything other than having another conference at a yet-to-be-determined date. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres offered a rebuke to Afghanistan's Taliban-led government for its, quote, unprecedented systemic attacks on women's and girl women and girls' rights, end quote, but nobody really seems to have any idea what to do. Uh, isolating and sanctioning the Taliban hasn't accomplished anything other than the further immiseration of the Afghan people, including women and girls. But diplomatic recognition and or economic engagement won't improve the status of Afghan women and girls either, except in as much as it might alleviate some overall suffering. In Pakistan, Pakistani security forces killed at least three militants and wounded two others on Sunday in raids against two hideouts in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province. Uh, these were presumably Pakistani Taliban facilities, though that's not entirely clear from the reporting. In a third operation in the same province also on Sunday, security forces arrested seven Pakistani Taliban fighters. 
In the Philippines, the International Crisis Group is warning that the peace process in the Southern Bank Samora region is in trouble. I will read you just a bit of the report that they just put out. Almost 10 years after the parties signed the peace deal, several issues are putting the transition it envisaged at risk. For one, violence is flaring up in the region. Some of these skirmishes, especially in central Mindanao, can be traced to conflicts over land and politics between and among Moro Islamic Liberation Front members and militias controlled by powerful clans. That is not exclusively the case, however. The ceasefire between the government and MILF suffered a serious breach in November when a clash in Basra. Salon province resulted in the death of 10 soldiers and MILF members. Meanwhile, though, although the interim governing authority in Bank Samoro has made headway in leading the war scarred region toward greater peace and development, it has not passed major legislation required to complete the transition, including rules for local governance and procedures for revenue collection. There have been other delays in terms of the, the report goes on to talk about other problems, delays in uh, economic assistance packages that are supposed to be uh, given to former MILF fighters uh, that are causing them to to turn back to militancy. Uh, so really just a, an overall botched implementation to this point uh, has put this process in jeopardy. In Oceania and Tonga, U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs Daniel Crittenbrink told a Senate Foreign Relations Subcommittee on Tuesday that the State Department will open an embassy in Tonga sometime this month. The Tongan people must be thrilled. Uh, this is another in a growing string of embassy openings designed to increase the U.S. diplomatic presence in a region that lies on the front line of the new Cold War with China. The U.S. has already reopened its embassy in the Solomon Islands and is negotiating details about opening new embassies in Kiribati and Vanuatu. Uh, in Africa and Sudan, the Sudanese military and its rival Rapid Support Forces Group agreed on Tuesday to extend their largely aspirational ceasefire for at least another seven days from Thursday, uh, when it, is supposed to, it was supposed to expire, through May 11th, according to an announcement from the South Sudanese Foreign Ministry. Both sides have also reportedly agreed in principle to participate in peace talks, though no talks are yet scheduled, and neither side seems prepared to negotiate without some unspecified preconditions. The extended duration of this new ceasefire could create more space for relief agencies to operate in Sudan and or for civilians to evacuate combat zones, but that, of course, assumes that the two sides will actually honor these ceasefires, something neither has done yet. There were, for example, continued reports of fighting on Tuesday, despite the current ceasefire. In Uganda, the Ugandan parliament on Tuesday passed a new version of its draconian anti-LGBTQ plus bill at the behest of President Yari Museveni. The new version is slightly toned down from the previous one, although it retains the harshest penalties for certain activities, including potential death sentences for something called aggravated homosexuality. Museveni had asked for the legislation to be redrafted to allow for the possibility of rehabilitating LGBTQ plus individuals, whatever that means. The new draft also helpfully clarifies that it's not a crime to simply be LGBTQ plus, so that's something, I guess. Uh, it remains to be seen whether this new version will meet with Museveni's approval. In the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Allied Democratic Forces fighters attacked a village in the eastern DRC's Ituri province late Monday, killing at least six people. The death toll may rise as authorities search the surrounding area for bodies. 
in Europe, in Russia, another freight train derailed after an explosion on the tracks in Russia's Bryansk Oblast on Tuesday in another apparent instance of pro-Ukrainian sabotage. As with Monday's incident, there do not appear to have been any casualties. Bryansk Governor Alexander Bogomaz also claimed on Telegram that the Ukrainian military shelled a village in that region on Tuesday morning, also without casualties. At Responsible Statecraft, Alex Thurston, a foreign exchanges columnist, uh, writes uh, that he doesn't think very much of U.S. intelligence claims, which we uh, covered, uh, I believe, last weekend, that the Wagner Group, the Russian mercenary outfit, is forming some sort of confederation of African countries. Uh, he writes here, There are other questions to ask, however. Notably, the Washington Post failed to probe whether U.S. officials might be exaggerating the threat from Wagner to Chad or to Africa more generally. It is true that Wagner has aggressively and sometimes quite effectively inserted itself into multiple theaters on the African continent, notably Mali, Libya, and the Central African Republic. And yet Wagner is not invincible. Witness a recent jihadist attack on what some locals described as a Russian camp in Mali. Even some governments that appear curious about Wagner have nevertheless tread carefully, well aware of the group's noxious reputation. It remains unclear, for example, whether Burkina Faso's most recent crop of military rulers plan to invite in the mercenary force or not, even after more than a year of rumors to that effect. There is a marked tendency in Washington to overstate Wagner's role in conflicts. For example, as a tragic and terrifying war has erupted in Sudan since April 15th, pitting the country's military against a powerful paramilitary military force, breathless reports have suggested that Wagner is a major element in the conflict. Yet some of the foremost experts on Sudan and, and neighboring Libya, the provenance of some of the alleged Wagner involvement, have cast doubt on the idea that Wagner is the main story or even that there is solid evidence for specific claims about Wagner's actions. In the Ukraine, the U.S. will reportedly unveil another $300 million tranche of military aid in the next few days. The headline of this package seems to be a supply of Hydra-70 air-launched rockets, which could be mounted on Ukrainian aircraft to, say, provide cover for, let's say, a large-scale ground offensive. Not that one is necessarily coming, but who knows what might happen. The package also may include new howitzers and several types of ammunition. In the Americas, uh, in Colombia, the Colombian government and National Liberation Army, ELN, rebels, began their third round of peace talks in Cuba on Tuesday, with most attention being focused on the possibility of a ceasefire. Both parties have expressed a desire to reach a ceasefire agreement, but if they don't get one in their third go-around, I think it's fair to wonder whether these talks are actually making much progress. A ceasefire is relatively low-hanging fruit compared with what should be the next step in the process, negotiating a full-fledged peace deal. In Guatemala, there's a new poll from Prensa Libre that puts businessman and political neophyte Carlos Pineda atop the field heading into Guatemala's June 25th presidential election. The survey has Pineda at 23.1% support, narrowly ahead of former Guatemalan First Lady Sandra Torres at 19.5%. Other recent polls have put Zuri Rios and Edmund Mulet in the mix, and while neither did especially well in this survey, it seems pretty clear that this is a fairly open race at this point. Certainly, it seems unlikely that any candidate is going to be able to win an outright first-round victory, which means that Lucky Duck Guatemalan voters can look forward to an August 20th runoff. And finally, in the United States, at his Forever Wars newsletter, Spencer Ackerman reports on the UN Working Group on Arbitrary Detentions call for the United States to release torture victim Abu Zubaydah. 
I'll just read you a bit of his piece. The report, reiterating an earlier finding by a different UN body, dismisses American claims of the lawfulness of Abu Zubaydah's detention as speculative and unsubstantiated. In August 2006, the U.S. quietly abandoned its assertion that Abu Zubaydah was ever a member of al-Qaeda, an organization to whom the authorization to use military force applies, let alone the number three figure in the organization, as the Bush administration had claimed. The very next month, it shipped him to Guantanamo Bay, where he's been ever since. This is a, just a horrible story. The Abu Zubaydah story is, is the classic example of war on terror torture. It is disgusting. And this is me again. This isn't uh, Spencer. But Spencer's covered it. Uh, he he links to a, a piece of his on the specifically on the torture to which Abu Zubaydah was subjected. It is gut wrenching to read. Uh, you should read it. I recommend it. Uh, uh, although if you have a weak constitution, you may want to skip it. Uh, it is just unbelievable what the U.S. did to this person who turns out to have never been uh, involved in any aspect of, of terrorism with al-Qaeda. I, I sort of chuckle because it's, uh, you know, to keep from screaming, uh, it is just perverse, uh, the story of Abu Zubaydah. And, and I, you know, urge you to read Spencer's piece and, and his coverage of this. The working group goes so far as to note that the treatment of Abu Zubaydah and other detainees at Guantanamo Bay may constitute, this is a quote from the report, may constitute crimes against humanity. It is, uh, end quote, it is surprising to see an international body use that terminology with respect to U.S. actions, even with the understanding that the United States is, of course, above international law, and there's nothing that this group or any other U.N. group or the U.N. itself can actually do to force the, the United States to comply with any of its recommendations or requests or demands. Uh, it is still somewhat surprising to see that terminology used, even though it is entirely justified in this case. Uh, and uh, nobody's ever been held accountable for it. That's the best part. Uh, you know, people have gotten promoted, in fact, let alone uh, anybody actually having suffered any consequences for what they've done. So uh, on that note, uh, sorry, I get a little... Uh, frustrated when I start talking about this stuff. Uh, I want to thank all of you for reading and or listening to the newsletter. Uh, thanks to those of you who are foreign exchanges subscribers, especially if you are a paid foreign exchanges subscriber. And if you're not, I know I make this appeal all the time and I, I feel bad doing it. I hate doing it really. Uh, but please consider it. Uh, it is the only way I can keep doing the newsletter, uh, let alone to expand and add more writers and do more columns and the kind of really interesting stuff that I would like to be doing. The only way I can do that uh, is if people support the newsletter and, and uh, it would be uh, critically needed. So please think about doing that. And uh, on that note, uh, until next time, take care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.